Hello, welcome to the SDA podcast. Today is February 17th. Uh, for our first story, we have news with Evan Ham. Hi there, this is the news today. I'm Evan Ham. Tomorrow is a late start day. School will be starting at 9.30. This Saturday, February 21st, is cabaret night. Check-in is at 5 and the show starts at 6.30. Tickets are $30 and are available at seatyourself.biz slash SDA music. Online course registration is now open. Find the link in the school website. Talent show is March 10th. Sign-up sheet is available in room 70. To all you seniors, homeroom on Thursday is a senior meeting. And this Friday is senior Java. Community day will be on February 26th. That's next Thursday. That is your news today on SDA Podcast. My name is Evan Ham. Goodbye. All right, thanks, Evan. Next, we have politics with Neil Wilcox and Riley Murphy. Hi, I'm Neil Wilcoxon. I'm here with Riley Murphy. Hi. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of politics and our new Secretary of Defense, Ashton Carter. So can you give a little bit of background, Riley, about the uh, Secretary of Defense? Yeah, so it used to be Chuck Hagel. It was him up until just today when Ashton Carter was confirmed by the Senate. Obama nominated him to be our, his, uh, actually his fourth Secretary of Defense during his term back in early December, and it took until now for the Senate to confirm him. So uh, what I mentioned earlier is that Hegel was Obama's third Secretary of Defense, and now could, uh, Carter is going to be his fourth. That's quite a few different uh, people who are in charge of the Department of Defense over what has only been just uh, six or seven years of Obama being in office. So can you talk a little bit more about why we actually need a new Secretary of Defense? So basically, I mean, the Secretary of Defense, the problem with Hagel that uh, Obama saw was that he used to be very much in line with what the White House was attempting, but he really isn't that into war. So when we had all these different things back in 2013 when he entered office, we were really looking to pull out of the Middle East. Uh, we were trying to end our conflicts there, and he was really helpful for that. But the problem is now, with things like ISIS popping up, and uh, Saudi Arabia, that they're flooding the market with oil, we think it seems that we're going to have to be more involved in the Middle East, not to mention that Russia's involvement in Ukraine has been uh, like increasing substantially since they've uh, taken over Crimea and, and such, making it so that uh, Hegel really wasn't the right guy for the job anymore. Also, Hegel, I don't think, was so happy with the job. There have been some rumors about how he was feeling micromanaged, even though, of course, he's second-in-command of the entirety of the United States military. So being micromanaged by the president, I'm sure, is something that you don't necessarily want to be done when you're in charge. Okay, so um, you mentioned about, like, the Secretary of Defense. Um, you know, the previous one, he didn't really want to have war going on out there, and, you know, he was worried about being micromanaged or whatever. So. Uh, moving on, I mean, how are things going to change? I mean, are we trying to have more war or anything like that? You know, it, it doesn't really seem like it. It just seems like Hegel was the kind of guy who he would do anything he could to go against Obama's word on, on those sort of things. And Obama, of course, you've just seen uh, just a, a while back, mentioned something about uh, here. He gave an address about how we do need to take force against ISIS. Now, Hegel was, of course, strongly opposed to this. And when you have two people, the two people who are in charge of, of this situation with the military, you really don't want to have them bumping heads on the subject because that's just going to result in these half measures that really are going to do nothing at all. It's, it's, it's not going to be helpful for our nation. It's not going to be helpful for anything. 
So regardless of if you are in support or against this interaction, having two these major uh, heads of power being against each other on the subject is really not going to be good for anyone. And Obama just being uh, in a higher power has managed to push Hegel out, and he's won. He's, if he feels like it needs to be the only step between him and a war is just going to be, of course, all of the bureaucracy and what he needs to do with uh, the Congress, which is obviously going to be against him. He's just trying to minimize the different variables that are going to make it harder for him to do what he thinks is right for the country. So when, uh, as, as all this is happening, I mean, uh, a lot of stuff happening overseas, I mean, as like just a typical American citizen, why would you care about this change? Really, I mean, it's, it's something that if you're focused on the government, you're going to want to know more about it. I mean, like why we care about the job of Secretary of Defense is, is number one, and he's the sixth person in line for succession of the presidency. So, I mean, that, obviously that's quite a few numbers down, but it's somebody that uh, in previous, like for example, at uh, different uh, inaugurations and things, oftentimes they'll actually hide away the Secretary of Defense. The other people will be out on stage with the president as a showing of uh, being in support and such, and they'll actually hide someone away in case there was some, uh, God forbid, major event that happened, then uh, that sixth in command would actually be hidden away so that they could continue on the roles of the president without there being a major threat to our nation. Also, of course, I mentioned earlier, the Secretary of Defense is the second in command of the military. They're only below the commander-in-chief, which is, of course, the President of the United States, Obama. So that means that uh, whoever it is, in this case, uh, he, Ashton Carter, will be in charge of the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, every single branch of the armed forces, and making sure that all the operations happening everywhere are going to uh, be in the interest of the nation, or at least in these situations, in the interest of what Obama wants. Okay, thanks, Riley. Um, that's about it for this conversation. I'm Neil Wilcoxon. And I'm Riley Murphy. Thanks. That was great. And lastly tonight, we have Nerdvana with uh, Alex Smith and me. Welcome to Nerdvana, your weekly one-stop shop for a nerdy conversation, news, or other thing that we decide to do because we have no masters. Mwahahaha. I'm your host, Alex Smith, joined today, pretty much as always, by... Hi, Mr. I'm Austin. Austin Chester. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Austin yeah. Chester. So today, we're going to talk about what our first games were and like games that have made us very happy in the past. Yeah, yeah. My game journey was was uh, stolen from me by my older brother's uh, nin uh, not Nintendo 64, Game Boy Color, without mm -hmm. me realizing it. Uh, it was Pokemon Yellow. I, I only have pictures of what happened. I don't remember it. I'm assuming I was drugged. Uh, <laughs> It's just pictures of me holding it and it in the cartridge and me deleting my older brother's save as he cries. Oh, uh, you know, like all little brothers, because yeah. I am the worst type of human. That happened to me with my um, uh, my Kirby one, the one where you had the four Kirbys and you could oh, call them in oh, yeah. for backup. Pretty cool. Yeah, my little brother deleted that. I had 98% completed of that game. Oh, so close to the 100. So close to the 100, indeed. Oh. And this, for all you young kids, was before trophies and achievements existed and you just had the satisfaction of doing something rather than being directly rewarded for it. Yeah, 100% of your game used to mean something completely different. It meant you've done everything ever possible in the game and every possible outcome, unlike achievements. Jeez, you wimps. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess the first game I actually remember playing is Pokemon Snap. And that, that game is a shame to be the first <laughs> thing I remember, but I, I, I love it for what it was. It was like a game that would take you like 
three hours to beat. Yeah. But it was still just very entertaining. And I'm still waiting for the sequel. Oh, Wasn't I'm waiting that, for the sequel. Was that on the GameCube? No, it was on the uh, N64? N64, yeah. N64. Because it had that Z controller, so it felt oh. like a real camera. Oh, it was oh, the my. best. Dude, the three prongs. How could you beat that? <laughs> my first game that I actually kind of remember, I think I was like six or seven when my parents bought me the Game Boy Advanced, like the really fat one. And I got Pokemon Crystal version because it was super cheap. But it was the same year that Leaf Green and Fire Red came out. So all my friends were like, you a busta. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to sit over here with my Suicune, thank you. Oh, yeah, that every time that you run into Suicune. Oh, that, yeah. That's got to be in, like, my top ten games. That's, that's probably... The, second Gen is my favorite Pokemon game. Oh, yeah. But that's because I actually remember it. Yeah, that's what, that's what we were raised on. Oh, that second so Gen good. of Pokemon. That, that or Ruby. What else you got on that list of yo's? Oh, I have, like, my favorite games of all time, most of them originate on the uh, GameCube because that's the first system, like, I bought for myself, and I was like, oh, look, garage sale games, best games in existence, and, like, I think out of all of my favorite games, I think four of them are on the GameCube, just second-gen consoles. Yeah, I, I got the GameCube the year the Wii came out, so I lived in a land of happiness and fun times where all the games were like 15 bucks or cheaper, so I've played some of the best games for really cheap. And that's, yeah. that's just a personal joy of mine. To uh, get off Pokemon, like, I don't know, like, I like all Dragon Ball Z games, but that's, that's because I simply like yelling and punching, and oh my god, uh, Tenkaichi 2 had, had the best story mode ever where you just moved like chess piece like people, and, and I still play it every once in a while because I still mm. have my GameCube. And, like, to get back into Pokemon, Pokemon Coliseum, which was the three, first yes. 3D Pokemon game, that game which was, was baller. It was amazing. I think I had XD before I had Coliseum. XD was probably better with the story and everything, but just, just initial shock and awe, I'd have to I say like, Coliseum was amazing. I like Coliseum better because Coliseum, the main character man, had a motorcycle, and in XD, main character man had a moped. Uh, so. don't, don't forget, he also had a bionic arm yeah. or a more complete one in Coliseum, which was just mm -hmm. so much better. Yeah. It was, that game was really cool. It also had an actual plot to it, which was weird for a Pokemon game. Normally, it's like, hey, look, it's the bad guys. And this one, it's like, hey, things are actually happening in the world. Oh, yeah, and they had that like whole new catch system where it was yeah. just like, you steal, and never have I been prouder to steal. Oh, yeah, stealing the Pokemons. A uh, big game for me that I remember very vividly is uh, Suikoden. It was a remake of the first Suikoden on the Nintendo DS, which was really the system that got me hooked into gaming because that's when I just bought a lot of games for it because a lot of them were pretty cheap. And it was, like, the first real JRPG that I played where there was something like 150 characters you could recruit in the game to be part of your party, and then they'd be in, like, your castle and things like that. And there's no real like consequence for not recruiting all the people. So that was really cool. Uh, that was just a game that I really tried hard to complete but couldn't because I was such a young man and I really wish I had it now still, but sadly my DS died in a watery grave and took all my games with it. Same thing out in my Ruby. I have no idea where that is. Yeah. Or my Game Boy. <laughs> yep. It really makes me sad. That was like two houses ago. I'm never finding that. Mm-hmm. What else you got on the list? Oh, uh... Bat Battlefront, the, uh, the Star Wars Star Battlefront. Wars no, Battle no, number Front. two, number two, the one with the risk gameplay. Two was awesome. Uh, the fact that you weren't just a, a random Jedi is just like the best thing ever. Oh yeah, you. But could you be, were a stormtrooper. Yeah, so and good. playing online with all your friends. If you had it on the PC, 
No, they had they had PS they had the PlayStation Network back for the two if you did like a hardwire hookup. There just yeah. wasn't a ton of people online. Yeah, but but you could play Risk with like with planets. You could do full battles, and it was like one of the one of the way it was like the start of online multiplayer. That yeah. that in the original Call of Duty. Yeah, Halo. those 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 were big. Uh, another huge game for me. I think it was. Which one was it? I can't remember in the series which one. Uh, Final Fantasy VI. It's the first Final Fantasy I played when I got re after I after I played Suikoden, and I got really into the JRPGs that I'm still really into. Oh yeah, with that sword art. Oh yeah, and playing the friggin' Final Fantasy VI was just really awesome because that was just a huge game. Not a lot of direction given in that game. It's like go to the place. Doesn't tell you how to get to the place. Back when gaming really was more of a, like a struggle and buying a strategy guide was an acceptable thing to do. Yeah, a recent game that I really liked with that was, or not recent, uh, Dark Souls. Came out like five years ago, I guess. <laughs> um, recent for Chester. Oh yeah, because I only got $10 to spend on games. Oh yeah. But oh, was, is that game just the best? I have to have sunken at least like 300 hours into that game and I'm not not proud saying that. <laughs> Yeah, that that is that is an achievement. I have hundred percent of that game in achievements and in me saying that I've hundred percent of the game. Oh yeah, uh, big game for me that I like first hundred percent completing was Ninja Gaiden two because that one's supposed to be incredibly difficult and stuff when it came to action games and stuff like that. That is a game that I sat down with for I think three or four weekends in a row. So that was pretty huge for me. Uh, if you guys are loyal listener base, got any cool video game stories to tell, shoot it up in the comments on our iTunes or our Bandcamp pages. Let us know what you've been doing, and that's Nerdvana for the week. I've been Alex Smith. I'm Austin Chester. And we'll see you next week. Bye! Thanks for listening, and if you want to be part of our club, come to room 83 after school on Tuesdays. That's the Mac Lab. Uh, if you want to hear us again, you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And thanks for listening.